You're listening to Mind Your OT Business, a podcast to empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners and others to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, the ever honest, always 100% real, Laura Park Figueroa. I'm the founder and owner of Outdoor Kids OT, a leader in the nature-based therapy movement, as well as a business coach for therapist entrepreneurs exclusively in my Business Better Ops group coaching program. I hope that what you hear on this podcast will empower you to take action, even when you feel a little bit afraid. So are you ready to take action? Let's jump in. Today on Mind Your OT Business, we have our first episode where there are three of us on the podcast. I am so excited to welcome Darian Roberts and Marissa Yahil. They are occupational therapists who are leading not just OTs, but really the healthcare therapist industry, speech therapist, physical therapist, and OTs who are interested in lactation breastfeeding, feeding therapy, women's health, manual therapy, and body work, all of those things that go into working on lactation with mothers and babies. They started the lactation OT to help other OTs and other therapists who are interested in pursuing this specialty area. And they are going to tell us all about their partnership, about how they got started, about what they're building in this incredible resource for therapists and I'm so excited to welcome you all here. Welcome, Darian and Marissa. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Thank you. So the first person who spoke was Darian, and the second person who spoke was Marissa. And you guys might, for a little bit, maybe say who you are when you speak so people can follow who who each of you are. <laughs> or maybe I'll, I'll direct questions to each of you, and that will that will help us keep people straight here. So Let's start out by each of you, maybe Darian, you start and let's start out to kind of share your background, professional journey and how you came to lactation work. And then we'll have Marissa do the same. And then we'll dive into how you met and formed this alliance and partnership. Yeah, sure. So I graduated OT school in 2013. And I was so sure this entire time that I wanted to be a hand therapist. So I, <laughs> I did my level twos in hand therapy. My first job out of school was in hand therapy, private practice clinic. And I thought I was exactly where I wanted to be. And burnout was starting to hit me really fast. Wow. So I went from the private practice hand therapy clinic to outpatient hand therapy clinic at a very large hospital in Southern California. And then from there, that's when I got pregnant and had my first son. And I was like, I'm not going back to this hospital. So mm-hmm. I needed to find something else to do that would, that gave me a little bit more flexibility. I transitioned to early intervention and other contracting services while trying to pursue like how I could be more in this kind of birth world. Yeah. Because having kids rocks your world. And that's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Isn't it funny how having children sometimes forces pivots in our business that actually are really more in tune with who we are. It's, it's happened for way more than you, me, and a lot of other people too. So I love that. I love that story. So cool. Okay. Marissa, why don't you give us your little background? Sure. So I started off thinking I wanted to become a psychologist and I had never heard of occupational therapy, like most people until the end of college, when I was working at the early childhood center at my university, 
I had worked there the whole time, but it wasn't until the last year I was in college where I met speech therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists who were coming to work with a child there. And I really was enamored with how they spoke with the children, how they Mm -hmm. were able to work one-on-one, but pull in peers, how they coached the families. And I thought to myself, you know, this seems like something I want to do. So I started to debate OT or SLP. That was my big you know, decision to make. And very quickly upon looking at the prerequisite courses, I realized that occupational therapy was more in line with my interests. So I went off to OT school, really loving the zero to three, zero to five population. Mm -hmm. And of course, in OT school, they always tell you, you know, don't get too excited. You're probably going to change your mind. But I knew I wasn't going to change my mind. I knew I wanted to work with babies and, and toddlers and young children. For me, I had been very interested in breastfeeding Mm. from probably starting in college as well, when I nannied and babysat and I realized this is really tough and it's not spoken about, but I watched as the families I worked for struggled with their pump parts, had, you know, cracked and bleeding nipples, had lactation consultants coming in and out, toddlers pulling baby off the boob. And I realized this is a whole thing that's just not spoken about. And so that was always in the back of my mind too, as I thought about working with babies and OT school, NICU, And I had a really wonderful opportunity to actually go to a breastfeeding clinic for one of my level two field works in OT school. And that really solidified for me that that's where I wanted to be. But I was nervous having not had my own children that I was going to be a lactation consultant who ended up formula feeding her Mm. own baby because I knew that, you know, these moms coming to the clinic, they were intelligent. They had every intention of breastfeeding. And for some of them, it just didn't come together. Um, and that made me nervous. So I wanted to wait. And so I waited, I worked in elementary school. I worked in preschool, did a little early intervention and it was all fine. And I enjoyed it, but I still had breastfeeding in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. And, And it wasn't until I had my daughter that I was confident enough at that point to take the leap and fully pursue IBCLC, you know, completely. Yeah. Talk about, talk a little bit about, because I've spoken with you about this before, just to frame for people listening, the IBCLC is the certification that anyone can do to become a lactation consultant, but it doesn't require that you are a therapist or a nurse or any kind of healthcare professional, correct? That's correct. Yes. So speak on that a little bit, because I know that y'all probably have thoughts on this. (laughs) Yeah. So they have educational requirements. You have to take some college courses. I think there are 14 college courses listed right now. They don't have to be taken within an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree. They can be taken sort of a la carte, if you will. Okay. They could be taken online. So a lot of people get into lactation consulting from different backgrounds, and it's not always a health science background there are pros and cons. And I think, you know, for every family looking for a lactation consultant, it's, it's important to, to just find someone who is a personality, a good personality fit and whose skills and abilities are a match for what their specific needs are at that time. Yeah. Do you have anything to add Darian to that? Not actually. I don't remember. (laughs) Great. Yeah. I just wanted to give you the opportunity (laughs) to speak because I I do think that that adds a special kind of marketing complexity to people who, to therapists who get into this specialty area of practice, because there are definitely a wide variety with a certification like that. There must be a wide variety of 
skill levels of the consultants that you may hire. And so it adds a complexity to marketing because as a therapist, you may have to be very clear in your marketing. I'm guessing all of this. I have nothing, I know nothing about lactation marketing, but I'm just thinking business-wise. You have to be very clear in your marketing that your services are priced at a level higher than others, which they should be if you have a master's or doctorate and you're a trained therapist and licensed and all of that, because you have skills beyond what the, the entry level, I guess I should say lactation consultant. I don't know. Maybe there's a better word than that may have. So yeah, I don't know if that brings up any comments in y'all's brains. Is it true? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I can think of, this is Darian, by the way, just kind of like in the field of occupational therapy, how we all kind of have our specialty. It's the same in the lactation world. And it's not just like an add-on, like this is an entire profession. And so it's, it's the same where we, we are also finding our own specialties within the lactation field. And so it is kind of like this dual Mm combination of also combining like what makes you a unique lactation consultant as a therapist, as well as as a therapist, how does this bring, how does the lactation credential bring in this extra level of expertise to your feeding therapy? Interesting. So you're saying, let me restate that because I want to make sure I heard you correctly. You're saying not only is lactation a specialty area, but there are specialty areas within lactation. Like you could, I'm thinking like if a child has a tongue tie, where their tongue is connected very far to the front, right? Is that what it is? (laughs) See, clearly I don't know what I'm talking about, but, but something like that, where you specialize in a very specific niche, is that what you mean? Right. So a lot of therapists by our background and training find themselves dealing with oral restrictions because we are, you know, well-versed in oral motor therapy, Mm -hmm. especially for occupational therapists or physical therapists. We do, you know, treat the whole body. So some of those body work, myofascial release and those kinds of things, those other kind of manual therapies. Yeah. So we can work with that. So the infant that has torticollis or especially within lactation, there's things such as exclusive pumping or relactation or dealing with mastitis or homeopathies. Mm-hmm. So there's a wide range of specialties within lactation as well. Yeah. That's so mm-hmm. interesting. Cause and I think practice of- settings too, just like with OT, yeah. NICU, lactation, outpatient, inpatient, pediatrician office. There's so many, there are different settings, private practice. Right. I hope this is blowing people's minds that are listening as much as it's blowing mine, because really I thought lactation was like a very niche thing, right? <laughs> but you're saying you can go even more niche than that. So I love it because that is what we need in business. We need to be very focused on serving an ideal client, an ideal client and be very good at that. That is how we make more money in our businesses. When we are that person, we're very referable when people know exactly what we do. Right. So let's talk about what you all do, like who you serve at the lactation OT. So you each have your own lactation businesses that you run separately, right? But we are going to talk on this episode about the lactation OT, which you created together. So who wants to talk about how you met and formed this partnership and how you knew that this was a problem that was needing to be solved in our profession and in the healthcare professions? What do you think, Darian? Do you want this one or do you want me to take it? (laughs) You can start off and then I'll top off at the end. Okay. So this is Marissa. Darian and I met a few years ago in a Facebook group. 
I had seen some of her comments on people's posts. I really liked her perspective. I felt that we had a lot in common. And somehow we ended up private messaging on the side, having our own little side mm-hmm. conversation and talking, you know, once a week turned into every other day, every day turned into texting, turned into phone calls. And all of a sudden here we were becoming very good friends, despite me living in New York and her living in California. This is really it. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Social media, bringing people together, right? Like it should. It should not be a divisive place. It should bring people together, which is a wonder, a beautiful story that you just shared. So I love it. Yeah. What was the next question? That's how we met. So you met and then how did you discover this was a problem that needed to be solved? Because I really feel like what you've created here is, and we haven't even really talked about, because in the intro, I didn't really say, we haven't really talked about what the lactation OT is, but let's start with the problem that you guys were seeing in the industry that made you create the lactation OT. Okay. Darian, do you want to take this one? (laughs) Yeah. So when we were first learning about lactation, we were, we both received our kind of like a step credential to the IBCLC. So I took the CLEC, Marissa took the CBS. And what this is, is kind of like a shortened credential that's mostly based in education and normal breastfeeding. And so we were looking at our CEUs for our therapist license. And we were like, man, we have to take this whole two-day course only for maybe 30 minutes of it to talk about infants. Mm. And maybe they talked about breastfeeding. Most of the time it's bottle feeding. And we were just like, this sucks. We're spending a ton of money (laughs) and we're not even learning what we're running to learn as we were trying to, you know, become more comfortable and expertise level within our private practice. And so we were like, we just kind of tossed the idea out that, man, what if there was a course that was only about breastfeeding babies, like mind blown, like (laughs) we can just combine all of this information in separate different practice areas and create courses that were just about breastfeeding babies. Always. We've since kind of expanded a little bit just out of the baby thing, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where the idea came from. We saw our own frustration and decided to create something out of that. I love it. A total gap in the market. Like that is crazy that that didn't exist. And sometimes I think it's so interesting to hear this story because I think a lot of times in business, we think like something, we, we think that something has to be so mind-blowingly complex, you know, to be a new thing on the market or whatever. And then you look it up and it hasn't even been done before. Like, it's just surprising that something like that did not, were you guys surprised that something didn't exist? Yeah, definitely. I mean, and there are a lot of lactation courses out there and we took those too. But of course they didn't count for our OT licenses and it wasn't taught for therapists by therapists using our language and the way we have to document and all of that, Mm -hmm. the way we, we work on things. There's a lot of protocols of lactation and in therapy, it's, we are using an individualized approach. So looking for that blend was tricky and it, yeah, it didn't exist as far as we could tell. So what did you, how did you start out? Did you start out with a course? Is that what you did? I know what you did, but you should tell everyone what you did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think too. Yes. So we started off with a summit. Because that's easy. Yeah. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was interesting. It took a long time. A good learning curve. It's good. You guys did a great job. I'm just laughing because a summit is one of the 
biggest challenges to take on straight out of the gate with what you guys were doing. And I love it. So tell people a little about that. Yeah. So we really felt that the big question we were hearing was, well, why would an OT work in lactation? Mm -hmm. Do OTs even work in lactation? And so we knew a lot of OTs who worked in lactation and we wanted to show everyone else that that was happening, right? These people existed, they were doing amazing things and we wanted to feature them. And so we thought a summit was the best way. And how did the, like, what was the summit set up as? Like, how did you do it? And what was the purpose of it? Why did you think this would be a good way to kind of kick off the lactation OT business? I'll let you take this, Darian, because this was Darian's idea that I latched onto and I regretted it sometimes. <laughs> no <but> pun intended <laughs> with the latched, latched on onto. Yes. <laughs> so I've participated since I was also trained as a postpartum doula. I was very well within the, the birth world. And so I've seen summits of different sorts in, in that kind of realm. And I'm like, I told Marissa, I was like, hey, this would be a great idea because you know, having a great course is not enough. You need an, an audience. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, this is going to be a great way to build our audience. Mm-hmm. And so the kind of setup was to do individual interviews with, um, like Marissa said, well-known kind of OTs in the area that were also in the lactation world. Most of them were IBCLCs, not all, I believe. And we had this as a free summit. So our intentions with this yeah. was to then grow our email list for later down the line when we knew we wanted to launch courses. And it did just that, right, Marissa? <laughs> like we went from, I don't know, maybe like a, a few hundred to a few thousand. I think we our- went up to 4,000 or 5,000. Right. Yeah. Just from the summit. That just from is the summit alone. fabulous. And an excellent example of strategically planning and using a strategy in your business for long-term growth, right? I love it. So yeah. on that list of four or five, 4,000, whatever you have or had at the time, I'm sure you have more now, was it mostly OTs or did you guys target SLPs and PTs at the time too? We, it was mostly OTs, but we noticed there were a lot of SLPs and PTs. Mm-hmm. And then there were also non-therapists. There were some dentists, chiropractors, IBCLCs, it was interesting and surprising to us and made us really realize this was bigger than just us helping OTs. Yes. I, that's one of the things I said it when I introduced you all that that is something I feel so passionately about is that I want more OTs leading in the healthcare industry, not just feeling like we have to stay in our profession, leading other OTs, right? And this is a perfect example. That's why I love what you're doing because it's a perfect example of OTs kind of demonstrating thought leadership and demonstrating the ability to lead and share information and network in a multidisciplinary way. I just love it. So I'm so happy that that happened with your initial launch of the summit that you kind of found this group of kind of interdisciplinary group of people who are interested in this topic and want to learn from something being created by OT. So yay, you guys. Okay. Let's, okay. So let's talk about once you got that, you did the summit, you did it for free to build your email list. Then you have this big email list and all the way along while you were building the summit, you were also working behind the scenes to create the lactation OT site. So tell us a little bit about what the site started out as, and then we'll move into what it is now. Cause it's grown significantly. I think. Yes. Do you want to do this one, Darian? Darian is our web designer. 
Yeah. So we actually started off on Squarespace and as we were, this was, I I don't want to skip ahead, but as we were learning that this was pretty much one of our biggest mistakes because Mm. we didn't plan for growth. I don't think we, it was maybe just like a limiting belief, maybe that we didn't think we were going to grow so fast within the first year. So we did our, the first summit was on Thinkific. And so I had to match Thinkific with Squarespace as well as Vimeo. It was a whole Frankenstein Vimeo. with Flowdesk. It was, it was insane. It was insane. I, and- I feel your pain. This is my life right now. And I'm getting to where I'm trying to streamline things. It is so people think online business. I have said this before. It is worth saying again, it is work. It is flexible work that you can do from anywhere in the world, but it is work. There is a lot that goes into planning and executing these type of online services. So go on. I just want to say, I support you. I feel your pain <laughs> continue. <laughs> and so it was soon after the summit where we saw where I was lo- really looking and feeling into the back end of Thinkific. And I'm like, Marissa, I, I don't think this is a good idea. Like, I think we mm. need to change this. Like just thinking kind of long-term for courses and the way we structure our business is a, is a revenue split with course creators. And so I had to do a lot of tracking for, you know, payouts. And I just didn't like the back end of Thinkific. And I'm okay. And so we looked and I'm like, I think we should make the move before we start launching all of these courses and then yeah. have to switch over too much stuff. I was like, I think we should switch now. And it was a nightmare, but glad we did it because everything runs very smoothly now. And we still kind of keep with uh Flowdesk just because we like the pretty emails. Oh, I love Flowdesk. I can't, I can't use it any, I'm, I'm actually having to switch to active campaign because I'm setting up some automations. I won't go down this rabbit hole, but Flowdesk doesn't have the capacity to do the automations. If you have a timed webinar and a sales and they have to go through sales sequences again, it's like, it's complexity when you scale an online business. Right. So I'm so sad because I love Flowdesk and I tell everyone how great Flowdesk email is. It's so simple to use. It's just, if you're building a big online business, it doesn't have some of the automations necessary that I need right now. But I want to know, because you said you switched, I want to know what you switched to. And also I want to talk about, before I forget the revenue split with I want to talk about how you've set that up on your website, because I think that could be helpful for a lot of other business owners. So what did you switch to that was a platform that offered you the ability to easily track what you owe to the people who are listing courses on your site? Okay. So I'll take this one. We're using Kajabi. There are pros and cons. It's easier to track. It's nice when people are taking multiple courses. It, It looks really really nice on mm-hmm. the users and on the students end or the learners end. So we're using Kajabi. Kajabi does have some nice email automations that we use, although mm-hmm. we still use Flowdesk for more of that newsletter type or announcement type one-off email that's going out all at the same time. So okay. that's been working well for now. You never know. We're always looking to optimize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I use Kajabi too. And I recently transferred my podcast over. So like everything's mostly in Kajabi. And I wanted to use Kajabi email, but I can't, I have to have active campaign. I enrolled in this group coaching thing to help automate some backend of my online business stuff. And they recommend active campaign. So that's what I have to use. And I'm so sad because it feels like I'm, I'm about to do what it sounds like you guys did just the stress of transferring things. And it's, it's on my mind. Yes. I'm dreading it. So let's talk more about 
you instead of thinking about my business conundrums right now. (laughs) Okay. So Kajabi is what is working for you right now. I know Thinkific, Teachable, and Kajabi are kind of the big three platforms that people use. Like, and, And this is a topic. The only reason I'm harping on this is because it's a topic that many people are interested in knowing what tools work for what kind of businesses. And I think it's helpful for them to know that Kajabi for you guys, what you needed works the best. Now, what did you start out with on Kajabi? Did you start out with your own course or did you immediately start out doing this? If you want to post a course on the lactation OT, then we will do a revenue share with you. How did that kind of come to be? Yeah. So we were in, in the process of doing the summit, we were also thinking about who would be good course creators for those first courses. Mm-hmm. We debated having us do it, but we had so much else to do. <laughs> it's a lot to make an online course. Mm-hmm. So we thought it would be, it would make more sense to find other people to partner with straight away. So we, we started off with Jean Pichot and Kelly McLeod, which I hope I'm saying her last name correctly. The two of them were our first course creators and their courses launched in September. We had the summit in July. So it was two months after the summit, but the whole process began before the summit. Right. It's a long process. (laughs) So yeah, we do a revenue split and for us, that makes a lot of sense. We noticed that other learning platforms give an honorarium to course creators, and it usually ranges between a hundred and $400 one time. And we just felt that we wanted to support other women or, you know, other OTs, however they identify working with breastfeeding families. Yeah. And how could we do that? We wanted to make it more financially viable for them to make an online course with us. And we wanted them to be, to have a stake in the marketing of that course, the promotion of that course. So we felt that a revenue split made the most sense. Do you mind sharing what that revenue split is? And I can cut this out if you do not want to share it. So just feel free to say, no, I, we don't want to share it and we'll cut this out. But if you do feel so, willing to share it at this moment in August of 2021, we'll clarify that in case people listen in the future, but yeah. So for now it ranges between 40 and 60% that they keep and then okay. we keep the other. And it depends on the length of the course. It depends right. on how unique the course is, their level of expertise. What do they have a huge email list that they're bringing in? It depends on all of those things because we have a lot of costs on the back end for AOTA application, yep. I, IBLCE application, because our courses do double count for your OT license hours and for your IBCLC certification, which is fantastic since there are a lot of hours needed every three to five years in for both credentials. So we have to take all that to consideration. And then we recommend, we give a percent that we think is fair and maybe there's some negotiation, maybe there's not, but really we are offering something very competitive in this space. Yeah. Because what you're saying is you guys thought outside the box about how to on, you know, reward course creators in an ongoing way, rather than a one-time fee to create the course. Right. So really it's, money in their pocket that on other platforms, they may not have received. And the benefit that you guys are bringing to the table, I mean, really to, to have the, the hub, the platform and have the marketing around, this is the place to come to get all of this lactation content, right. For therapists, that is huge for people who create courses and put them on your platform, because it takes 
a lot. What is it they say? Have you guys heard this thing about like marketing is like 20% creation, but then 80% promotion, right? So uh, with a podcast, even it's 20% what you create on the podcast, but then 80% getting it out to people and getting ears listening to it or eyeballs on your content online. So I, th- I say that to, to share that what you guys are bringing to the table, as far as a, a space for people to have this, where you know that, that people that are interested in this topic are going to be drawn like moths to a bright light on a dark night, you know, like, so I'm not the best with metaphors, but anyway, (laughs) so I love that. I love that. That is a really great, that is, that's a very, to me, that sounds like a very generous breakdown. How did you guys do research to determine that? I'm not really sure how we came up with that percentage. I do a lot of, I guess, market research Mm -hmm. and looked at a lot of offers that I've received personally to do a, a revenue share. And so I just kind of picked something that was a little bit higher than what I was being currently offered. Yeah, that's great. Companies. And how do you, do you mostly invite people to create the courses because you know them and you've vetted them and you know that they're experts or do you have people come to you and ask if they can create a course and then you have some process through which you verify the validity of the content? How, how does all of that work? Both. So okay. when we know of big name people yeah. <laughs> are very well-known experts in the area, we will re- reach out and offer an invitation for collaboration. And then we also frequently receive emails from therapists that would like to host a course with us. And it just really depends on if there's a need for the course, because we regularly survey our audience about what would you like to learn and at what level, entry level, yeah, intermediate great. or advanced. And so we're also trying to play that match. So it just really depends on the current needs of the market. Yeah, I love that. It's so important to get feedback from the people that are using your product. And I think too many business owners don't do it because we're afraid of negative feedback sometimes, right? So that's it's important though. It's important. Growth mindset, getting the feedback about what is and isn't working for people is so, so important. Let's talk a little about marketing. So It sounds like the system that you had in place of having the summit first to get this really large, I mean, for a new business, an email list of 4,000 people is huge, right? To get this large email list, has that been the core method of your marketing to those people on that email list? Or have you done other things as well? So we've, this is Marissa. We've done other things as well. We utilize Facebook marketing a lot, a lot of the time, especially when we're launching a new course. And we have a wonderful contractor who helps us with that because it is the whole thing to run a Facebook ad. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure that every dime you're spending is getting you something. You don't want to spend so much money to where you're actually losing money with every purchase from the Facebook ad. So yeah, we use Facebook ads. We do use email marketing. We have a community on Facebook as well. We also will market in other related Facebook groups, feeding therapy groups, OT groups, mm-hmm. early intervention focused groups. Right. The thing, the, the tricky thing there is some of them have, you know, specific days that you can market. Yeah. And then also some of them, you don't, you can't market paid content. And that's where we really figured out we need a free course <laughs> so that we can promote this free course that's or a great. free guide 
on social media in other groups and not get dinged for it and have our posts removed. And so was it October, I think after our first courses launched, maybe, or maybe it was August before the courses launched. It's a bit of a blur at this point, Yeah. but we ended up creating, it was before during. So, okay. So I think the month it was after, okay. After, after, sorry. Yes. It was after Karen's um, giving her hand signals in hand the Zoom signals, call here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think about one month after our first course is launched, we launched a one hour OT's role in breastfeeding course that was really just explaining, looking at the practice framework, here's where lactation breastfeeding fits into the OT scope of practice. And I, I'm the one who taught that course, Jerry and I developed it together. Mm -hmm. That's been a hit. We've gotten, we've grown our email list even more from that course. And it does count for one CEU through AOTA and who doesn't love a free CEU, right? Yes, that is, that is so key. And this is gold for people that are listening because what is really valuable to someone That's what you have to think about because we are so inundated with these free PDFs, free guide to this, free this, free this, because everybody knows now what a lead magnet is, right? I want your email. So I'll give you this little thing for free. Give me your email, right? What you are doing is giving people something that is very valuable for that little email address that they have to give you, but you're giving them a free CEU. I mean, who gives away free CEUs? This is genius. You guys, this is a genius piece of marketing that you created here. I would assume what's your email list at now? I would love to know if you're willing to share. I haven't 10, checked recently. It, you would think, I think we're hovering around 7,000 right now, right. I think. And, and that's part of, that's something that we talk about a lot. You know, it is very niche within OT lactation. Yeah. Many OTs are not interested. Right. So what can we do to continue to grow our audience? That's, that's a question we talk mm-hmm. about all the time. Yeah. Well, and I will. I- I will add that we do also have a free guide because we also like to think about how different people learn. And so yeah. we do have the free video, but then we also have a free guide that's almost 20 pages long about how to also get started as an OT, SLP, or PT if you're wanting to be a lactation consultant as well. Yeah. So that's a valuable, that's essentially an ebook that mm-hmm. could be sold for money, right? Because if, if you weren't using it as a lead magnet, it probably has enough valuable information that people would pay for it. And that is what an ideal lead magnet is, is something that people would pay for, but you're giving away for free. So another genius lead magnet, a 20 page guide, which should be called a book if it's 20 pages long, <laughs> that really helps people that are interested in this kind of wrap their brain around how to get started. That's super valuable. That's, I would, I would think that that would be valued in the hundreds of dollars considering that information would require people a lot of time to research on their own, or would require them paying one of you for an hour of your time to consult with them, to help them download all that information and, and answer all the questions they may have that would be answered in that book. So I love it. I I will say we actually pay for that. So we run Facebook ads for both for the free guide and for the one hour CEU. So we're paying for people to have that for free. Yes. And you're probably figuring out what your cost per lead is and then tracking whether or not they become a customer. And that is, that is key when you run Facebook ads, because again, like what Marissa just said, you don't want to be spending a ton of money, right. And not know if people are actually (laughs) giving you money after you spend all that money. So, and I also want to draw attention to what Marissa said that they have outsourced someone helping them manage their Facebook ads. So 
unless you just really love the Facebook ads interface, like one in 10 billion people love that interface. It is so complex and so hard to understand. I would. Yes. Yes. Definitely. (laughs) Outsource, right? (laughs) Yeah. And this was after I paid to take classes to learn about Facebook ads. Sure. I realized I'm, I'm not passionate about this. This is stressing me out. I'm not going to be able to do it as well as someone who does this full time. Yes, absolutely. Outsource that. Do not do it. If you hate it and it gives you a headache and it takes you like 10 hours to produce one ad, not speaking from experience or anything, (laughs) then you should outsource it. I'll just save you those 10 hours and just say, don't even just, just go outsource that. How did you, along those lines, how did you guys find your, your person? who helps you with that? Where, where should people look to find someone who can help with Facebook ads? I found him. I forget exactly which co- company, one of those websites where you're looking for contractors, Fiverr, maybe oh, like Fiverr like or Upwork. Yeah. Okay. Or Upwork. I found him on one of those for my private practice, actually, because I have a prenatal course that I was promoting with Facebook ads and he did a fantastic job helping me with my private practice. So it made sense. And I trusted him. So right. it made sense to invite him to help us with the lactation OT as well. Oh, that's great. That's a wonderful success story of finding someone on those platforms. I know a lot of times it can be hard to sift through the sheer quantity of people that are on those platforms from all around the world. So I think it can be an intimidating for therapists to go there, but it's good to hear a success story of a long-term independent contractor relationship being formed that is beneficial and profitable for your business. So I love it. Okay. You guys are marketing geniuses. This is what we've established. And now I want to hear about, let's, let's talk a little bit about the multiple streams of revenue that you have in this business. So is everything coming from the courses for the most part, or have you done a paid summit since the first one? What, what do you guys have going right now? Do you want to take this one, Darian? Sure. Okay. So we always offer the summit for free, but there is a paid option if you want to have one year access and continue to watch. So we, the structure of that was the interviews expire And if you would like all of the interviews, then you can pay. So there was, there's always been that option, but besides the summit, our only revenue stream right now is courses. We have ideas to diversify our areas Mm -hmm. of income, but we realize that we have to, we don't want to sacrifice our, basically our income to do that. So slow and steady growth is, was our plan. And so now that courses are more stabilized, our income has stabilized that we're mm-hmm. able to pay ourselves. Now we're looking to the next project, which we were just talking about. We were, but I want to add, we also have forms. Forms. So kind of two. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a third revenue source, the form like templates. Intake so have- forms and like assessment forms and things like that. Correct. And do you host those in Kajabi too, like a product? Yes. Yeah. Those are oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. I love it. How many courses do you guys have now? Currently six. That's great. So let's just, let's just look back at what you've done. I feel like too often in business, I've been trying to do this more myself too, because I feel like as entrepreneurs, we often, it's like a hamster wheel. You know, you finish one thing, but you forget to stop and actually look back and see how far, well, I guess that's a bad analogy. Hamster wheel, you wouldn't go anywhere, but we're on this like constant, like cycle of work, work, work. Right. But we don't stop and actually look at what we've accomplished. So 
Y'all started Lactation OT in early 2020, correct? I think it was April, 2020. April, 2020. Mm -hmm. So we're talking 18 months in and you have an email list of 7,000, maybe eight, nine, who knows? Cause we haven't looked lately and it's just sitting there growing, you know, <laughs> right? So you have a list in the several thousands, the high several thousands, you're generating consistent revenue. You have six courses on your platform. You have forms on your platform. You have thousands of healthcare professionals who are now being educated and learning about what our role can be in the lactation specialty, which has even more specialties underneath it. We have learned, are you guys proud of yourselves? I mean, really, I'm, I'm kind of blown away thinking that you guys have done all of this in 18 months. Thank you. We're proud of ourselves. And sometimes yeah. we, we stress about, okay, we have to get the next course up. When is the next course going to be ready? And we forget to look back and celebrate mm -hmm. our accomplishments so that's something we were doing today. We had a really lovely phone call where we were talking about all of our accomplishments up to this point. And then of course, plans for growth and expansion and, you know, development from here. And I think that kind of speaks to the power of partnership hmm. is that we, me and Marissa both play in our areas of genius. Like I'm the tech person in the back. Like I can throw up pages in Kajabi, like nobody's business within an hour. Like it's really fast. And Marissa is... She is so great at reaching out and kind of that operations piece with the course mm -hmm. creators. And so we have very clear what kind of like our roles are in this partnership. Like I handle the finances and I do this. And Marissa is over here with the legal and doing these yeah. things. Yep. And so it's kind of a divide and conquer knowing that we have each other's back through this. And I think that's kind of really what propelled our growth so fast is that it's two powerful minds working together. And I think it also helps with the checking in because we'll both go through these times at different times of yeah. self-reflection and like, Hey, I think we should be doing this. And it's something that we didn't even think of if we were in our own kind of flow of work. Right. Right. And so this brings up a lot of questions for me. And I think this will be helpful for people who listen. Did you know that your strengths were kind of complementary when you formed this partnership before you formed it? Or was this something that you kind of realized as you got more into growing the business? It's interesting. I think, you know, we started cooking up this idea about six to nine months prior to actually launching. Right. It was a dream. It was something we, you know, thought about late at night. Wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be amazing? But we, we can't do that. I mean, who do we think we are? You know, yeah. And then I quickly realized, you know, actually we are pretty good in business. We've done a mm -hmm. good job with our own private practices. I trust Darian's judgment. We have good communication with one another. We're able to criticize one another when needed in a kind way and move beyond it. You know, we seem to have really good rapport overall. And I think that's what made me feel like I could take the leap with her. And then of course, structuring everything on the back end, structuring the LLC, figuring out how things were going to work. That was sort of my, that was the final thing for me watching that pan out from February to April, how we handled that so well. I really felt confident going in that we were a good fit to work together. Yeah. You kind of answered my next question, which is because, you know, Trish Williams and I do this OT entrepreneur summit together. And up until now we've had it as like a, a, it started more as like a project, you know, it was going to be like a once a year 
thing that we did and we just make the money, split the money from the PayPal account and we go run our own businesses. But now it's kind of growing into like, this might be a more ongoing thing. We might have more than one event per year. And so we've talked about like, do we actually, maybe we actually need to like make this a, a separate business and have a separate business account and have a separate, we have not done that yet. So, <laughs> so I'm learning from you all. I joke that I do this podcast to get free coaching from the people I interview. So thank you y'all. So I don't know. It's interesting because we, we did, we did consult like experts before we started and they were like, well, if it's a one, if it's a one-time thing that you're doing once a year, it's not really an ongoing business, right? It's a plan, the project split the income, but now it may be growing beyond that. So we're in the process of deciding yeah. What, it's what tough. It's a marriage of sorts. And something yeah. funny I have to share is I don't even have a joint account with my husband and I have a joint <laughs> account with Darian. <laughs> That's how much you trust her. I love That's it. That's how much I trust her. I trust my husband too, but we sure. have a, we have his account that we kind of use as a joint since I have an authorized credit card. And then I have my personal right. account, but I have a joint account with Darian. <laughs> yeah. That's where the, the, that's where the complexity comes in. Right. And I think with the model you guys are doing, this is truly a separate ongoing business with ongoing revenue and ongoing management, right? It's very different than a one-time project where you might be partnering with someone on a project or on a specific event. Right. And then going your separate rate ways and running your own businesses. So are you both still running your own businesses or are either of you doing the lactation OT fully? We both still have our own businesses as well. And okay. I think for the foreseeable future, that's going to, it's going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the amount of time that at least for me, that I spend on my private practice versus the lactation OT that might shift in the future, mm -hmm. the amount of time I spend one-on-one -on -one with my clients versus working on the lactation OT might shift, especially if I'm able to hire another therapist to work one-on-one -on -one with clients through my private practice. So there are a lot of you know, we'll see how it all unfolds. Yeah. So neither of you have employees yet. You're directly servicing clients, right? They're both nodding. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't have an employee. I have an admin assistant who works just, just five hours a week. And right now she's a contractor. That is the extent of it for me. But that's great. Do you have anyone helping you, Darian, in your private practice? I do not hire. I don't, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't. I've been thinking about it because I have multiple streams of revenue within my private practice. So I was looking to maybe start outsourcing some of my community groups that I do Okay. to have another therapist lead that, but I haven't made the leap. Marissa keeps saying I need to expand, yeah. but I can't bring myself to do it, but I do outsource some of, I have some digital products up like guides and things like that. And mm -hmm. I have someone that I found through Upwork that helps make those on Canva for me. Yeah, that's so... I love that you both are speaking to the, the benefit of outsourcing some of the tasks that you can to someone else without, I think maybe, and Darian, forgive me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but maybe the hesitation with most therapists, I think in outsourcing the service delivery is that you worry about the, the quality control, right? But with something like graphic design or with admin stuff, it's kind of easy to see I like this. I don't like this. Make this revision. <laughs> it's not so much like going to impact the bottom line in your business with some of those admin tasks. So those are smart to outsource first, I think. I find it very stressful that someone would depend on me to like pay their rent or like the money sure. that they need to like survive. That's, that's pretty stressful for me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> not there yet. 
Yeah. It, I actually just recently, and I may do, I may do an episode where I, I delve a little bit more into this because it's sometimes I'll do episodes, just updating what I'm learning in my own business. And this is one of those things that along those lines, similar to you, Darian, I, we have a really long wait list in my private practice. And I, when I went to hire someone, I put a job list, a job posting out. Right. And I had sworn before COVID that I would not hire another very, very part-time therapist, right? It's not that I don't love my therapists that are working very part-time. They are incredible people. Some of them may be listening. I love you all. You're incredible people. (laughs) But the reality is, and they've heard me say this in staff meetings, I'm not saying anything here that they have not heard already, but the reality is that when they are working a full-time job elsewhere and working only three hours a week in my business or only six hours a week in the business, in my business at Outdoor Kids OT, they just don't have the capacity, right, to do visioning or to pick up other clients or, or to, you know, spend time doing an extra meeting to kind of plan a new project or things like that. It really limits the, the ability of the business to grow and serve more people when you don't have people that are working more hours in the business. And along those lines of being fearful, I think what happened to me this year when I posted a job posting to to hopefully hire someone to grow a little bit, right? I, I hired someone to work two groups, which is what I said I would never do before. But I think because of COVID last year when COVID hit, I think subconsciously I felt as though because I only had very part-time employees, there was not the psychological burden that I would have felt if we had gone through COVID and my practice had shut down for two or three months, and if employees had been more dependent upon me for their income. And I think, I think that really protected my business in some ways, at least me psychologically, I felt like, well, I'm not the primary income source for any of these people. So it, it, it was psychologically less stressful. It was very stressful, but less stressful for me than if I had had several full-time employees, right? And that mindset, I mean, when we when we talk about mindset being important for entrepreneurs, it's so, so true. And I've learned so much this, this year and going through this and many other challenges, right? That that was subconsciously affecting. I should have known that I needed, I had 93 people on a wait list, y'all. And I hired someone to run two groups to serve eight kids, essentially. So what was wrong? My mindset, like I was fearful, right? I was fearful of, hiring someone and being the person responsible for paying their bills. Right. So it is a real struggle. It is a real struggle. And I am right there with you, even though I have several employees, it it is a real struggle to kind of get past that mindset issue and to, and to trust it's really a leap of faith, right. And to do calculations beforehand, to make sure that you can pay them and that there's enough money in the bank to cover if something like a global pandemic happens again, which hopefully we're on our way out of this. And we can just, I joked the other day, well, at least we don't have to put global pandemic in the threats section of a SWOT analysis anymore, because we've all lived through that. And they only happen like every hundred years. So (laughs) I'm like, oh, but we're still in it right right now. But yeah, I just, sorry, I talked a long time, but I just share that story because it's, I think it's a real thing that a lot of therapists struggle with in making sure that you have the funds to be able to pay that person. It is a stressful thing and it is okay if you want to stay small and be a solopreneur for the most part and maybe run a partnership doing online business with someone else. You know, like that's okay. Like everybody's business needs to be built to serve them and that is the important thing. So I think that you're wise to think about that and like know yourself in that process. So Yeah. 
Absolutely. It's, it's something that I go back and forth on a lot. I've almost hired an employee a few times now in the past Mm -hmm. year. And I'm, I want to be so careful about it when I actually go for it. I want to make sure my my mindset's in the right place. I have calculated, calculated everything out correctly so that it's beneficial for me, beneficial for them financially. It's a huge, huge deal. And I do think a lot of people rush to hire and then it, they regret it. Yeah. It brings an added layer of stress. You have to really want to manage a team and it, it, you know, to keep people, you have to invest in them. And, and that's hard when you're running a lot of other things in your business, especially if you have multiple revenue streams and you guys both have online coursework. So I'll be, I'll be interested to see how you guys grow and what you decide, but smart, smart, smart to outsource the admin stuff that can be taken off your plate, billing and scheduling anything that you can automate in that way will just help you in your, in your solopreneurship. So, all right, let's do the last few questions. I know Darian said earlier, that was our biggest mistake or something, but the last question that I always ask people are the last three questions. The first is what is your biggest fail learn? And let's maybe let's have each of you share as, as just as entrepreneurs in general, as OT entrepreneurs in general, what has been your biggest fail learn, like a failure that you learned from in your business? And what do you think others can learn from you, your mistakes so that they can avoid making that same one? Maybe. Sure. So I'll go first. This is Marissa for me personally, I guess this, this speaks more to my private practice. My biggest fail learn has been not charging enough money for my services. Mm. I've always been so apprehensive about charging enough for my services to the point where when I ran all the calculations, I was not paying myself an appropriate amount at all for the work I was doing. Yeah. So that was one of my biggest lessons. And Darian has been amazing in coaching me through that. She's like, raise your, <laughs> raise your prices, Marissa. Come on, let's raise your prices. How long is your wait list? This is ridiculous. Raise your freaking prices. Right. So I appreciate that, Darian. <laughs> so Marissa, really quick before Darian shares, what advice would you give to people? I mean, besides raise their prices, like, is it a mindset thing? Is it doing research on what people are charging in your area so that you know that you're not charging way below? Like what advice would you tell people to do to make sure that they're charging based on the value that they're providing? Yeah. So definitely for lactation and OT, I think surveying, looking at websites, talking with people, figuring out what are the IBCLCs charging in your area? What Mm. are the OTs charging in your area? If you're an OT, how long are their sessions? That's a big piece as well, because with lactation and OT, your sessions are longer. They're a lot longer than a standard OT session. So figuring that out and then trying to, to piece together, okay, what are you offering? That's different. Are you giving more time, more resources? Are there, are you offering texting in between phone calls in between sessions? And then basically going off of that to establish your pricing. And then once you pick a number calculating out, okay, I'm going to see this many clients a week at the most given that, what am I going and given my expenses, what am I going to be paying myself? And what does that come out to per hour that I'm working? Not just clinical hour, but once I take into consideration, all the documentation and the time spent, you know, going back and forth with clients. And then do I feel good about that? Or does that number make me want to cry? And is it going to result in me burning out and quitting this whole thing? That's how I would approach it. Great advice. Everybody just hit that little back button, like 30 seconds back two times and re-listen to what she just said. So important, so important. And especially the last part of you will burn out if you do not pay yourself. 
you will burn out and then you're not serving anyone. So if you are a true helper, you will pay yourself well and you will love your work and you will continue to be able to help people. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Marissa. Thank Sorry. You. I had to hop on the soapbox no, that's so for a nice. minute. Thank you. <laughs> Darian, how about you? I think my biggest bill learn would have been, it kind of ties into both. So my private practice and lactation OT would be that I, I didn't take time for like self-awareness hmm. because how I structure my private practice is really to fit my lifestyle and the same with lactation OT. And so really taking time to see like, how does this like energetically feel with me and what, so that way I can reflect and then plan for the future. So I wasn't yeah. taking times like not admin times, but like visionary time of like, where do I see the growth? And I think that kind of held me back when you get so caught up in the day to day. And I noticed tremendous growth in my business when I started doing that. So really mm. just taking almost kind of like an energetically rest day to then yeah. plan and vision for the future of what the business looks like, because then the next work, work, work days are then more aligned with where you want to see yourself in the future. Yeah. I love that. That is so important. Okay. Again, back, back, <laughs> hit the back button. Listen for one minute. you got to rehear it. We have to hear it multiple times because both of these points, I mean, it are so important for people, like just so important. So how often are you doing that practice now? So I do that every week now, every week you mm-hmm. have time set aside for like reflection on, is your business in alignment with how you want to be living your life? Absolutely. And I look at all aspects. So I take into consideration, like for the lactation OT, do I want to spend more time working on that? Or do I want to spend more time one-to-one with clients? Like, what do I, what do I see for humble by motherhood? Like, what do I see for that? And then as well as like with my family, I have two young children. So what does that look like for me and starting homeschool with my TK son and things like that? And just time for me without everything else. Yes. So important self-care another, another way to prevent burnout, self-care, take care of yourself. And I do think that is important to, I think we'll, we'll, I hear a lot of times people saying, you know, create your business with the end in mind, like create your business to serve you and not just serve the clients that you want to serve because then you won't burn out, but it's so easy Typically, if we're doing something we love, it's so easy to get caught up in it and work a lot and not do the stopping when you're in the middle of it. Like you might've created the business to serve your needs, but then you need to have that ongoing reflection time to make sure that you're staying in alignment with those. So I love it. Well, both of you have kind of shared this in your learning from your fail learn, but let's share what is going so well right now in your business and how you advice you have for others to have that same success. I guess for me, the referrals coming in, that used to be Mm. a point of stress starting out. Oh my goodness. Are people going to want to hire me? Are they going to seek me out? And now I have more referrals coming in than I can handle by Mm. a lot. So that's going so well. And I'm so grateful. And I think the reason that's gone so well for me, both when I had my private practice in New York, and then when I transitioned it down to Texas during COVID, I ended up on a wait list within three months in both locations. And I think the reason is because I was so focused on making sure first and foremost, I was attracting my ideal client. So somebody who I really thought I could help, whose problem I really thought I could address with them. So that right fit and then the personality fit too. Mm -hmm. And then also 
making sure I was well in along that line, getting the outcomes with my clients. Yeah. That was huge. Outcomes are everything has become something I say all the time to other therapists who want to get involved in this space. If your clients are reaching their goals, if they want to exclusively breastfeed and you get them there, guess who they're going to tell Yeah, everyone, everyone will know in their family, they're going to, their friends are literally going to see it happening in front of them. Oh, I, I see that you're not having the pump all the time anymore. And your baby's not screaming all the time with reflux anymore. Wow. How did that happen? How did that work out? And then they're going to, they're just going to tell everyone their midwife, their OBGYN, their doula, their friend, their cousin. And you don't even have to, you don't have to pay for, you know, marketing on Facebook. Outcomes are everything. I love that. Awesome advice. Thank you. Darian, how about you? So Marissa kind of spoke to it earlier, but I'm the one to say like, raise your prices. And so recently (laughs) I've done that again. And each time I keep going up and up, which I can do kind of in my area, it's very saturated with lactation professionals as well as dual credentialed. So my area is pretty saturated with therapists that are also lactation consultants. (laughs) And I'm, I'm also in Los Angeles, so it's a higher cost of living, but I've really reached a good like pay structure and scale in my business that really allows me to spend the, that kind of high touch point that I like to spend with my clients and it's just been really great. <laughs> I love so it. The money and the kind of time and like emotional energy going into my clients has been at a really good balance lately. Yeah. How many, how many kids are you seeing or dyads are you seeing per week? So I normally see about six to eight a week. Okay. Yeah. So that's a good, you're driving to their homes, I'm assuming. Yes. So I yeah. mostly do home visits. Yeah. So that's a good amount of visits to make each week. Yeah. So you should be charging a lot, especially if you're coming to someone's home. That's like, it's it's a lot. It is. That's what new parents driving in LA. When I'm on the phone with her driving in LA, she's like, I've got an hour left Marissa. (laughs) So there and back it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's rough, but I make a lot of money doing it. So it's great. Yeah. And you can listen to a lot of podcasts that way and NPR, whatever you want to do. It's actually, when you have young children being in the car that much, it's really not that stressful if there's not kids in the car with you. It actually is like alone time. And if you can just frame it that way, I think it helps, even though it's part of your business, right? That you have to drive. So may as well enjoy it while you're there. But (laughs) that's why you have to have the correct pay structure to to take into account for that time, but it, it is a great time. That's how I learn a, lo- a lot of new ideas that I then pr- present to Marissa. Like, Hey, I just, I think we should try this. And it's because I heard it on a podcast or I yeah. was listening to an audiobook or something like that in the car. <laughs> awesome. All right. Where can people find you online? This is like the, the whole, I love, I love that you guys are here because I hope that maybe there's a few people who listen that didn't know about you all yet. And Although my email list is nowhere near seven or eight or 9,000 people. So, you know, maybe I'm not exposing you to anyone who doesn't already know, (laughs) but I hope that some people found out about you all here and I want them to know where to find you online. So Marissa, can you share where people can connect with you all online? And then I'll have Darian share too, for your private practice and for lactation OT too. Sure, sure. So I'll start with the lactation OT. Our website is really simple, lactationot.com. That's it. And then on Facebook, the lactation OT, we have a Facebook community for OT SLP PT. That is the lactation OT community. And then we're on Instagram lactation underscore OT. I think that's everywhere for the lactation OT. And then for my private practice, 
My website is lackeddev.com. So that's L-A-C-T-D-E-V.com. I'm on Instagram at lackedev and I'm on Facebook, lactation and development resources. Yeah, that's it. Great. Darian, how about you? Yeah, so I'm humbled by motherhood on Instagram. My website is humbledbymotherhood.com. And I also have a Facebook page that it's not very active, but it's also humbled by motherhood. That's great. I know Facebook pages are like, it's like the front door of your business. There's stuff there, but like groups are the way to go now. Right. So everybody has groups and I love that you guys have that free group too, for people who just want to find out more and all those free resources that we talked about, they can find those on lactationot.com. Absolutely. Yes. Great. Thank you. This was value packed for everyone. And I'm so thankful to both of you with your busy lives as OT entrepreneurs running two businesses and children and all of the things we do. (laughs) So I appreciate you all being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was my honor and pleasure. I enjoy your podcast. So thank you so much. It's so fun. I'm so glad we made time. Bye you guys. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. I feel so inspired by what Darian and Marissa have created in their lives and in their businesses. And I hope that you learned a ton in this episode like I did. (laughs) My biggest takeaway was probably the part about their lead magnet. I think that it is a genius idea to offer something very valuable to people like a free CEU in an online course that you offer for free as a way to build your email list and grow your audience for your paid products. And I thought that that was just simply genius. I have one quick announcement for you before we end this episode, and that is to mark your calendars and book your plane ticket for the OT Entrepreneur Summit live that is happening November 12th to the 14th in Boca Raton, Florida. Trish Williams and I are so excited about this event, and we are deep in the throes of planning it. Tickets will be available by mid-September. They are going to be priced very competitively to get as many people as possible there. And we want to let you know that we are being very, very COVID conscious. So we are doing lots of planning around making sure that this is a safe event where we can come and be together in person and be inspired and get so much work done on our businesses. I hope I'll get to meet you there. All right, take a small step because small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business.